Hi, it's Peter Vesey. You're listening to Double Clutch Podcast. Don't believe anything these guys say. Maybe it's an English-American thing. It was not an English-American thing. In London is NBA. In Africa is NBA. In China is NBA. In For real, the NBA, the Nationwide Basketball National Basketball Association. I'm not going to tell you again, okay? National Basketball Association, okay? Thank you. In your opinion. So... It's a fact. You have a growing fan base who, of basketball fans and, and an enormously passionate sports culture here in Britain as well. How much passion is there really for the NBA over here? It has a huge global following, right? right. Or at least it's done pretty well in China, but it's struggled to make an impact in the UK. You sound skeptical. But <laughs> um, well, you see, because we're soccer fans, I right. shouldn't say that. I'll get smacked for saying that. Football fans here. We, in the we UK. call it football. Okay. But, um, how many springs? It doesn't have any springs in it. Why does it bounce then? It's air. There's air in the ball. Well, there's air in the swimmer. How come the swimmer ain't bouncing? Yo, man, don't play ahead, yo. It's because I was from the UK. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Double Clutch Podcast, bringing you the best coverage of the NBA from a British fan's perspective. It is the 26th of April and it is actually 20 past 10, so that means we've just witnessed um, the Pacers and the Hawks game four. I am, of course, Matthew Wellington, your usual host. I'm joined today by, uh, well, he's making his return, I think I should say, Frankie Hobbs. The return hashtag. The return I'm, hashtag. I'm like Derek Rose. Hopefully it'll be a little more successful. Yeah, well, there's, there's always, there's always hope. <laughs> you might make it through uh, three quarters of the show if we're lucky. Oh, that's gonna that's, hurt that's some bullshit, is it? Yeah. Match of the day is gonna come on and you'll just get naturally <laughs> drawn to the, the, the beautiful game. Um, well, let's be honest, from, from an Arsenal perspective, the season's slowly drawing down until, until the FA Cup final, so I'm, I'm ready to talk hoops for a bit. The whole season rests on one game. <laughs> it does. And speaking of a whole season rests on one game, probably game four for the paces that happened. Um, obviously, this is the game three show, so it's going to be a little bit odd because there's two game threes taking place tonight. I think the Spurs play the Mavericks, that's now. And then later on at midnight, I think Miami take on Charlotte in Charlotte. So we'll cover them on the next podcast, but we will be covering the majority of the game threes that take place this week. So we'll get over um, game three between the Hawks and the, uh, and the Pacers really quickly because we want to just talk game four because obviously that's quite fresh in our minds. But uh, game three was a 98-85 victory to the Atlanta Hawks. Jeff Teague went off on one. Hashtag playoff Teague has been trending on Twitter. Since that happened, he even did the Jordan shrug as he hit a three falling out of bounds. I think that was pretty cool. He didn't expect it to go in, hence he did the Jordan shrug. But um, 15 of his game-high 22 points came in the second half as the eighth-seeded Hawks knocked off the Pacers. And this was a big win for the Hawks, really. It sort of shifted momentum towards them that night. But obviously, coming back to game four today, um, they've just gone and lost that momentum, really. Yeah, and um, but I mean, I think this was this this game game four was the, was the was the only game in the series so far where they they've had to actually there's actually a bit of pressure on them because you think if they lose game four, they've got to go back to Indiana now with the series tied. Whereas if they'd have if they'd have won it in three one, it's basically over. Yeah. So I think this is this is the only game they've actually played pressure because until now they're the eighth seed. They they they're just really swinging from the hip. There's no there's no pressure on them. They can play about play with freedom, and you could see that in their play with with players like Antich that were stepping up, Damari Carroll, and and players like that were all we're all coming to the party because you, you always expect Jeff Teague, um, Paul Millsap, Kyle Corver, these kind of players to to produce. But when you're role players like Carroll 
uh, Antich and, and players like that produce, it, it really, really can, really can be shocking. And I think now the pressure's on. We could see a resurgence from the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were. This was a well, it was a back and forth game, really. I mean, me and you've just come off watching it, and there wasn't really any sort of clear, distinct, you know, certain leader throughout the game. It went, the Atlanta went up, and then Deander came back, and then Atlanta went up again, and it was back and forth right to the end where I think the Pacers were down by six with about four minutes to go. And then off a couple of back-to-back threes, I think one was from Paul George and the other was from David West, um, the Pacers tied it up and then they led from there. There was loads of mistakes in the last sort of two minutes, really. Carl um, Corver was fouled on a three, which I think he was attempting from the right-hand corner. But, you know, it, it, it was a really, really kind of scrappy game. And it's been sort of a trademark of this series as we have not had pretty basketball, but... It's been tight and it's been quite relevant and we've seen players who we don't normally see on sort of the national television playing, you know, brilliant basketball. Jeff Teague has been superb. He was poor today. I mean, 14 points for him is kind of a quiet night, but it was all about Paul Millsap today with those 29 points and uh, seven rebounds. Yeah, Paul Millsap is, um, I mean, he's fantastic. He's one of, I think that, that signing in the summer, was it, uh, I think it was two for 24. It just looks brilliant value by the day, and I think you you you've got to look at um, the Atlanta, and I think they they didn't play great, but they had a real good chance to win this game, which is why they'll be disappointed because look when you when you shoot thirty seven from the field, thirty five percent from the field, and you don't and and you're really in the game right till the end, you you're going to be disappointed not to win because you, you won't play worse than that. I don't think the pay, I don't think the Hawks play particularly well. I don't think the Indiana Pacers play pretty well. So when two teams don't play well, the lower team kind of wants to win that game because you know, well, I mean, do you know that the Pacers are going to show up? They should show up from now. They got the got the the fortuitous win somehow. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think you've got to say Paul George. He's been maligned a lot in the playoffs. But he finally came good, and I think it was a very big performance for him because he, he took he took the ball to the hole aggressively a few times. As you said, he had that big three. He rebounded the ball really well as well, I thought. And um, and on that last and one of the last plays, he defended Teague really well. I think about fifty seconds fifty seconds left on the on the shot uh, on the on the clock. He defended uh, Teague really well. He, he went round the screen and I think uh, made made it really difficult. And then Atlanta turned over the ball. So Paul George came through for me. Well, Hibbert remains a struggle. David West had that massive three down the stretch. So I think this game could have gone either way, but I think Indiana will be very relieved they got they got the win. Yeah, I mean, Roy Hibbert's struggles have been well documented, but I think Mahini came in and had some some nice blocks in this game. Good mm. impact from him coming off the bench. Louis Scola was there again, but you know not the offensive presence that he has been throughout the regular season for them. I mean, it, it's been an odd one because Evan Turner went off on one in like the first half, but we didn't really see him after that. He, he finished with 11 points in the end off 20 minutes, but they're an odd one because they just don't seem to really have any form of rhythm right now. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just odd because their regular season was so fantastic. And, um, Steve Busfield, who's the editor of the guard, the uh, editor of the US sports guardian over here was saying on his Twitter feed today that, you know, since that Danny Granger trade, they've just been a different team, and I think we we can all agree with him on that. And it's just been a completely different paces team this this second half of the season. I think everyone kind of expected them to run through Atlanta. I think they need to be worried now. I mean, if they don't win this series in the next two games, then nobody's going to be scared of them. If if the Hawks take them to seven, it's going to be real 
trouble for, for the Indiana because if they end up facing Miami or somebody like that in the conference finals, then nobody's going to fear them and it's going to be really one-sided. But anyway, that was a, that was today's game, the uh, Saturday night game. Currently there is a game three going on between the Mavericks and the Spurs, but we aren't going to be covering that. We're going to go on to a game which took place the other night. We're going to look at the Clippers and the Warriors. Um, this was obviously the Clippers first road game of the series. They were in the Oracle arena and they won the game 98-96, and some questionable decisions from the officials in this game. Um, I personally thought Stephen Curry was fouled on the final three-point attempt. Um, Chris Paul was kind of crowding him out, but then again, we've seen that before. It's almost a 50-50 call. I think Steph Curry even said that after the game, but you are supposed to be able to land, and I don't think he was. Uh, yeah, I mean... The, the old adage is don't make don't let the the assistant don't let the officials make a call in the last minute. Yeah. But um, I think it's one of them where it's the fourth quarter and it's CP3. I know Steph Curry's a superstar as well, but I just don't. I think they just let it play. They swallow the whistles, let them play. And at the end of the day, um, you could say it kind of made up for the the bad decision in, in game one where Chris Paul got fouled mm. and then lost the ball. So I mean, I think they um, as bad as the officiating seems to have been. Throughout <laughs> the whole they, playoff, yeah, they they do kind of level themselves out. Yeah, and Blake Griffin, uh, Blake Griffin, sorry, scored thirty two points in this game, and DeAndre Jordan had uh, twenty two rebounds, and it was just sort of a pound it out game for the Clippers. They came into the Oakland, they knew it was going to be tough to win, and they did what they had to do. I mean, they were up by double digits at one point, and I think the the Warriors came storming back through Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. But the, the the outstanding stat for me is the the, the Warriors went six for thirty one on three pointers. That's not a Golden State Warriors team. No, yeah, and um, they've got some offensive problems. Really, I mean, it, even even in the regular season, we 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 kind of you, you look at Steph Curry, you look at Clay Thompson, and you think this team must be amazing offensively. But the whole reason they were they were a good team in the regular season was because of their fantastic defense, anchored by Bogut, Iguodala on the perimeter. But uh, since with Bogut going out, the the defense hasn't been as good, and and the offense struggles, and they've they've got to figure out a way to to play and and get the offensive uh, sets good because Mark Jackson will come in for a lot of criticism, and if they do go out, which I think they will, Mark Jackson, his his coaching job there is not, I don't think it's 100 percent secure. No, there's been rumors that they've been possibly wanting him out for a while now but if they do go out then I, I think there's that's going to be a theme of this playoffs I think there's multiple teams in this especially in this first round here if they get knocked out there will be coaching jobs you know under threat you've got to look at Scott Brooks Kevin McHale over in Houston um, I think Mark Jackson's been kind of the obvious one recently and when Ethan Sherwood Strauss came on a few weeks ago he was saying that there's not a great deal of trust around what he's doing there. But, I mean, it, it was good for the Warriors at some points in the game. They went to a small ball lineup with uh, Curry Thompson, Iguodala, uh, Barnes and Green, and they flourished when they did that, and they were playing really good basketball. But, I mean, this Clippers team, man, I mean, I know you've you've done your bracket for us. You have them going to the, the – was it the finals? Yeah. Yeah, you have them going to the finals, and quite a few people – and I know I was listening to one of the Bill Simmons podcasts earlier on. He was – saying how he, he could see it happening and his guest was also saying that. So, you know, it doesn't look as delusional as it did, it did when it first started. And when Blake Griffin has had 83 points off 93 minutes in all the games combined so far, then, you know, <laughs> right now he's, he's probably one of the MVPs of the playoffs if you, you know, discount Lamarcus Aldridge in Portland. Yeah, but uh, you've got to think that 
I know we're going to talk about it, but this whole Donald Sterling outrage that you, you got. Let's get it over with. <laughs> I mean, you've got to think it's going to, it's going to play some impact into it. Yeah. For those of you who have not been on the uh, Twitter feed or, or Twitter sphere or any social network today, um, you probably wouldn't have heard because it won't be on. I don't think it'd be on our sort of national news, will it? But Donald Sterling, who I believe is the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, was caught or supposedly caught, um, mouthing off some what racial slurs? I think you'd call alleged, it. We'll call it allegedly. Alleged um, racial slurs. Yeah. He was uh, basically saying like to to his girlfriend on on the phone, which was recorded by uh, TMZ, that uh, I don't want you bringing black people to our to my Clippers games. I don't want you. You can hang around with black people, but I don't want you to be posing with them on Instagram. I don't want you to bring them to Clippers games. Just a whole lot of racial slurs, which are just out of line. And and from the dark ages, really, I, I think it, it, it's something that the league are going to have to do something about. But as I've tried to say today, that there's not really a lot they could do. No, but they've had problems with this in US sports in the past. I think there was a baseball franchise that was moved after some someone was caught with... You know, with racial sl- that's caught pronouncing racial slurs on on recording. But well, the thing with the U.S. sports is that the team, the, the, the NFL team, I like the Washington Redskins. That it has a racial uh, slur in its name, and they're still in existence. So, I mean, look, the, Donald Sterling owns the team, and the way I've read into this, they can't just kind of kick him out of the ownership. So, I mean, I think it might be hard to take him out. Yeah, it's 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 a messy situation, whatever way you look at it, and it's just now the way it's going to be tough for the players because Chris Paul, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, all them players are going to be thinking subconsciously or consciously. If I win this title, I'm winning it for Donald Sterling, whereas we, I hope they think I'm winning it for myself. So I think it's it's a real it does put a lot of cloud over what is a fantastic Clippers team and. I just wonder how Doc Rivers and how Chris Paul are going to re- react to this. It's going to be interesting to see if it actually affects this series as well, because obviously the Clippers have a 2-1 lead at the moment going into Game 4. They will want to win Game 3. I think it's something like 75% of teams that win Game 3 end up winning a series or something ridiculous like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Adam Silver, the, the new commissioner, is obviously scheduled to hold a press conference at 8.30 Eastern time today. So was that half 12? Something like that. Yeah, half 12 over here, something like that. So... It'll be interesting to see what he has to say. Um, this is his chance to make a statement on the league. You know, this is his malice in the palace moment where he can come out and, and lay the law down and see, and we'll have to see what happens. But there's no place for it in the game. I think what Chris Paul and other players have been saying is, is right, you know, and, and their families have all come out saying they shouldn't be playing. But I don't think that's correct. I don't, they, they haven't done anything wrong. I mean, they're in the playoffs. They got there. Let the guys play and, you know, they'll take any anger they have out on the Warriors, which uh, could end up being quite bad for uh, Golden State. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think you're right in, in, in what you say with the um, they shouldn't protest because, look, at the end of the day, as bad as it sounds, I'm sure a lot of bosses of companies are racist. I, I mean, I mean that in the, in the most politically correct way I could say that. And you wouldn't not show up to work if it, if it meant a risk of your money. So... I can't see any kind of form of boycott in that sense. I just think you kind of use it as motivation and, and, and really try and try and win and, and channel it in a different way, in a positive way. At the end of the day, we maybe we we sh- we should 
focus on on the good things that this Clipper basketball team does. And but at the end of the day, it has to be talking about. It. So it's it's a fine balance. And um, no, you ju- you just hope that um, Donald Sterling gets out of the league really, because at the end of the day, he is he's not good for basketball. He's not good. He shouldn't be in the public spotlight, and and people like him should not be celebrated in any 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 kind of way. So let's just hope he can he can get out of the league, and let's hope someone else can buy that team. Otherwise, it's going to happen again because it's happened before. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do end up, you know, s- selling the team or 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 moving it. I, I don't think it'll go that far, but you've got to look at places like Seattle and stuff who are looking for a basketball team right now and with the way the Clippers are, they're sort of a prime-time real estate if you look at it in that way. And obviously, I think he bought the team for something like $12 million whenever he first originally bought the team. They've got to be worth billion. Uh, you know, 100 times more probably, than probably, that now. They're probably close to a billion now, to be honest. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I just think that Adam Silver just needs to take this chance to to make a statement, and I think the fact that it's the Clippers is is probably a, a good thing in the way because if you look at the racial buildup of that team and the fact that they have an African American head coach, it, it's not just going to yeah. be pushed under the mat. So. And the uh, Chris Paul is the head of the Players Association. Yeah, so they're not going to be the guy. They're not going to you know just let it happen, are they? So we'll see what happens, but. A fantastic win for the Clippers and just an unbelievable performance from Blake Griffin and crew. Um, the next game we've got to cover is the Thunder at the Grizzlies game three, which took place in Memphis. This one went to overtime. This was on Friday morning in the UK. Um, this is the 15th straight win at home for the Memphis Grizzlies, which is an incredible stat, really. They've been playing some unbelievable basketball recently. Um, once again, the Grizzlies bench dominated. They outscored the, the uh, Thunder bench 34 to nine. Uh, Tony Allen had 16 points and Benno Udrich, who's been, well, a ray of light in this series, really had 12 as well. So a, a great production from the bench again. Yeah. And, um, it's something that we, we kind of didn't really expect. And, and Beno has been fantastic. We all said they couldn't score. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they've really, really impressed me. And it's not even that. It's just they, this is this team. Uh, I mean, you're right with what you say about the bench, but overall, this team, you, you get the sense they just know who they are. They're just, they're just so fantastic in the way that they, they understand themselves. They're not trying to do anything which they, they shouldn't. And, um, compare that to the OKC Thunder. And, and I see a team which it's struggling to find its identity. And whereas in the regular season, when they, when they missed Russell Westbrook, they had, they had a clear identity. The season before when they had both, they had a clear identity. But now they've had the break without Westbrook. Getting him back hasn't been as simple as it can. Having said that, they also have the problem of really getting nothing from their bench. And you know what? I try to tried not to bring up the Harden trade every episode. <laughs> but Jeremy Lamb, where is he? Um, he didn't play the other night. Yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. You, you've got nothing from, from that James Harden trade. And I know James Harden's not balling at the moment, but if you had... James Harden leading that bench unit. This wouldn't even be a close series. Well, I've been quite vocal about this. I mean, I enjoy watching the Thunder play. I think they play a fantastic style of fast-paced, you know, offensive basketball. And I actually have them going to the finals, but at the moment it's looking seriously under threat because Memphis have got to be one of the best ape seeds you've probably ever seen in your life. They're a, mm. <laughs> if Gasol had been injured, they'll be a, they'd probably be a sixty odd, you know, a fifty-plus win team this year and without doubt yeah easily and you look at the struggles they've the thunder are having 
Kevin Durant was 10 of 27 the other night. I mean, he had 13 points in the end, which is still a great start. Tony Allen, Tony Allen is playing him fantastically. Yeah, he's been all over him and the way they've been switching up and, you know, Tony Allen's been jumping from him to Westbrook is, is causing all kinds of problems. And, and Westbrook was nine for 26 that night as well. So when Westbrook's playing 40 minutes and Durant's playing nearly 50, you've, they've got to be more accurate than that. I don't think there's, they're comfortable in each other right now. They, there was a few moments in the game where one or two of them were taking free throws and you saw them rolling their eyes at each other and some stupid shots in this game, especially late in the stretch, you know, the fourth quarter, Russell Westbrook uh, threw up a three and there was someone, I can't remember who it was, I think it might have been Perk or somebody, underneath the rim and <laughs> it, it basically an easy chance for a two and to cut the lead to one, but he decided to go for the hero moment and I think they just need to find an identity right now. Do they go with Durant or do they go with Westbrook? I mean, I mentioned it when Tom was on the other day. They're a really difficult team to watch right now because they just don't seem to know what they're doing. I don't think Scott Brooks' coaching is helping. We haven't seen no. Stephen Adams. Um he had a fantastic regular season for a, for a rookie, and I think he could have he could have made a, made a big impact in this game because he's a big body. Um, and you know, like you said, Jeremy Lamb just just hasn't been there really. <laughs> and I think with the point you made about Scott Brooks, it's a very valid one. And um, yeah, someone supports me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he he's really it's defensively. I think they've got a very good identity. I think they're a very good defensive team. But it's it's that offense, man. Like they just can't get KD. They can't get their best players some good shots. And I think should they go out? I know this is so uh, um so like too early to say this by any means, but I'm gonna say it. What the hell? If if they go out first round, his his job he should be gone. Um, this is a this is a team which should be competing for a championship. They are kind of competing for a championship. They should be um coached by a Doc Rivers. Or a, a a coach of that caliber, and I just don't think Scott Brooks is that coach. I think Russell Westbrook. I I I agree with you. I think Scott Brooks is is seriously part of the problem, but I also think Russell Westbrook is also part of the problem. You look at when you've got Kevin Durant on your team, who's arguably the best scorer we've seen, you know, to ever play the game. What some people are saying, and you know, he he's being well, he's not being given the ball. He's he's been given the ball, but he's not doing anything with it. They're not giving him the the screens he needs to score off. And Westbrook, for me, has just turned himself into that point guard that we saw in sort of the 2012 finals where he just tried to do everything by himself. And basketball's a team game. We've seen that over the last few years. You know, the Miami Heat win games because they're a team. The Pacers aren't winning games at the moment because they aren't a team. So I think something needs to happen, whether it is a trade. There were rumours of uh, a Westbrook for Rondo trade a few years back, whether that all you know, re-emerges again, it, it remains to be seen, but the way they're playing right now, I think Scott Brooks has got to be uh, quite worried because Sam Presti's come out before and done things. They're not afraid to make a trade or make a rash decision. I mean, you mentioned the Harden thing. They'd be a different team if they had James Harden right now. I don't think they'd even struggle against a team like no. the Grizzlies. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And I think a, a, a Westbrook for a Rondo trade would would make sense for both franchises. Oh, I don't know. Well, you, you look at Boston; they they need they they, they want the, their next superstar, something to build around. And Russell Westbrook's clearly shown that he's got a killer edge, so why not? And then Rondo, you know, is is getting on a bit now, so he is verging to want to win a ring. If he jumps in and plays with Kevin Durant, you immediately get a a better passing game. And I think Scott Brooks would be all right. Scott Brooks has done really a, a really good job with the tools that he has, but I think the tools have been taken away from him recently. 
I'd be um, interested to see how much of a say he had in the uh, uh, James Harden trade. Uh, I mean, uh, I think two years ago, or maybe three years ago, the, the Rondo Westbrook thing had legs, but now I think Westbrook's just so much of a better player than Rondo. I, well, I they'd have to get multiple pieces back, wouldn't they? Yeah. But that's I, what they need. They need a bench. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I just think, as well, with Westbrook, he can play a bit off the ball, whereas Rondo kind of kills your, not kills your offense, but he, he takes the whole ball. <laughs> like Durant, I, I mean, Durant's actually really improved his playmaking. Uh, recently, so I, I don't know how, how much I would suffer with a player like Rondo. But at the end of the day, we know OKC can go now and, and win win game four on the road. This it's not it's not out like they're, they're yeah, really yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant could go and drop fifty points and they could go win and we could all look really silly right now. Yeah, they could both go and drop eighty two and twenty seven and sixteen or something ridiculous combined, and you know that shuts us all up. And we've seen it before. You know, the most recent team that did something like that was, I think it was Miami a few years yeah. back. They were two yeah, one yeah, down yeah, against yeah, the Pacers. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, Wade and, um, James just went off on one in their next game and that shut everybody up and everyone was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we could be overreacting. But maybe, we'll well, I mean, they, they went on and won a title that year, didn't they? LeBron and Dwayne Wade. So maybe this could be their, their maybe this, kind of, yeah. this is their moment. I mean, if the, if you got to think, if if OKC come through a series like this, they'll they'll be um, they'll be really up on edge and they'll, they'll they'll be really good. I think this might be the toughest defensive matchup they will face oh, in yeah, the whole definitely. of the playoffs. So if they can get past Tony Allen and what he's doing at the moment, then they'll be all right. Um, a couple of quick tweets just before we do move on to the next game. Um, Tom Wright, awesome Wells, he was tweeting about this game the other night using hashtag NBA in the UK. Um, before the game, he put the Thunder better win. <laughs> And then after it, he put, oh man, we really needed that. Um, what a momentum shift going back in their favour. Huge loss. So just nice to see uh, the British fans getting involved using that hashtag. Um, the next game, the Raptors and Nets, something that we've been really, really excited about recently, this this series. And uh, the Nets won it 102-98 in, in Brooklyn. And they've turned this into a national rivalry. Would you believe it? They were chants during the game of USA, USA coming from the Brooklyn crowd. No, no, no. <laughs> the Brooklyn crowd don't chant. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. Trust me. I've <laughs> heard them. And, um, yeah, the Nets caught, well, almost coughed up a 15.4 quarter lead, but the, uh, the Raptors uh, fell short and obviously lost the game in the end. Um, the reemergence of Darren Williams. Frank yeah. Helps. I know you've, um, I, I've been a fan of Darren Williams. I, I mean, He's not aesthetically the, the the most pleasing player, but um, didn't you say I, this would be his uh his his resurrection yeah. year on hoops habit yeah. or something? I think I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I was all in on on Duran this year, but yeah, it hasn't hasn't really happened. But I think this playoffs he's, he started to play really well. Um, it's kind of strange how they they've really figured that working him off ball with Livingston at the point is actually starting to get him some some nicer looks and. His three-point shot doesn't look too bad at the moment. Um, I think he's a player which maybe is a little bit overpaid, but I think he's a very good player. And I think if if they they manage to get through the Raptors, I definitely think they'll they'll give the Heat a good game. Yeah, they're going to cause Miami problems if they can get out of this series, but that remains to be seen because the Nets have uh, the Raptors. Sorry, have won games in Brooklyn this during yeah. the regular season, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, the length of this game, it, it went on for two hours, 55 minutes. It was just so back and forth. Well, it wasn't, it was back and forth, but it was just really, really gritty. I mean, more than, more so than like the, 
the Hawks and Pacers games, we've seen 74 combined free throws for the two teams. And, and just a, a really, really, this is a really good basketball game in general. We saw some killer crossovers from, uh, Paul Pierce and Aaron Williams and some really impressive offensive sequences from, uh, DeMar DeRozan, who was just fantastic for the night. I mean, he finished the game with 30 points and he could be the real key for the Raptors this series. Yep. And, um, he's kind of, he's a player when he signed that contract. Um, what was it? I can't, I think it was 50 for four years or something like that. And it looked a bit, oh god, that's a bit stupid from Colangelo. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you can't really argue with it at the moment. It looks as fair, fair value for what is an emerging star. And they look like a real good up, up and coming young team. I mean, you've got to look at the off season if they can keep hold of Lowry. If you can go get another piece, if you can get a piece in the draft as well. I think, I mean, you've got the great GM there, Messiah Jury. This is a Raptors team, which is, I think they're going to stick around. And I think this series against the Nets, if they can take it to six or seven, I think this is, this is a fantastic series. And, and the way that they personalized it into, um, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. And, and we don't see enough of it. Really. Kevin Garnett pulling the shirt, uh, pulling the jersey. Sorry. Walking towards the crowd. Yeah. Mumbling expletives that I won't tell you on there, on air, but you know, <laughs> they've made this personal. And I think it's really fantastic that, you know, obviously what, Masai Yuri said, came out and, um, the, the Nets kind of took it the wrong way. And then you had the Toronto Sun with their headlines about, you know, facing old dinosaurs. So the Brooklyn Post <laughs> turned the favor. And the fact that there's this underlying current to it all is really great. And an interesting fact for these two in the seven games that the Nets and Raptors have actually met this season, the scoring total is between the two, six, seven, eight to six, seven, seven. So it's been unbelievably close when all these teams have met in the, the last seven times this year. So, you know, game four could be the same. Yep. Well, let's hope so because it's been, it's been an enjoyable series and it's just been, it's just been fantastic basketball in the playoffs so far. I just really want to see it. It's going to go back to Toronto, but you know, a game seven in Toronto could be really, really something special, especially, especially in front of those Canadian fans. Well, I mean, they even had thousands outside the ACC last night. 42,000 people outside the uh, arena for yeah. Game 2 there was, and I think there was pretty much the same outside for Game 3 the other night. So, I mean, they, I mean, if there was any kind of doubt that Toronto loved their basketball, I think, I think they'd just been squashed. <laughs> I think they've got a really dynamic backcourt, so it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what, what the future holds for them. But, um... I think we'll, we'll go across to you, Frankie, and go across to probably the most dynamic backcourt in the playoffs right now. If you're talking about John Wall and Bradley Bill, then um, I can agree with you. I was. Good yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, good, good. That was unplanned. But, um, <laughs> that, you know, that was slightly bad at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, Bradley Bill for me has been fantastic. He was, he was fantastic again, unfortunately, for, for the Wizards. They weren't able to convert their two road wins into a third win at home and, and make it 3-0 really secure the series the series is, is really swung again it's back open Chicago taking game 3 100-97 to through a big shot from Jimmy Butler at the end and some other some other big shots and I mean look this is a game which I think the Wizards should have won and could have won had Nene not been ejected for an altercation with um, the aforementioned Butler and he has been suspended for game four, so I mean, Nene, I think you could, you could say he cost them game four, uh, three. He won't be in game four, so he could cost them game four. Man, but I, I think the Wizards are just so great because 
They've got John Wall and Bradley Bill who are in the past for the first time. Really looking to establish themselves. They're really out there fighting. Then you've got the um, experience of a Joe Noah. You've got players like Kirk Heinrich, Jimmy Butler, Carlos Booz. They've all been in the playoffs. Taj Gibson's fantastic. So, I mean, this is a really, really competitive series. And I think Wizards now, I mean, without Nene, who was just killing Joakim Noah, if they... Yeah, he's practically breaking the Defensive Player of the Year trophy oh, his head. Someone, I think someone, is what Bill Simmons wrote yeah. in his article the other day. Yeah, I was about to cite that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, if the Wizards win Game 4, you'd like to fancy them. And, and I mean, who would bet against them reaching the... Um, Reaching the conference finals. Yeah, I mean, I know who I'd pick at the moment over them or Indiana, so. Right now, Andy Duncan is beaming ear to ear because if you go and look at his bracket on doubleclutch.co.uk, he actually put that, uh, they would progress to the conference finals. So, <laughs> well, the way it's going at the moment, he's a, he's probably a happy guy, but I think this was a, a big game for the Bulls. They needed this. Um, Mike Dunleavy. Wow. <laughs> Where did that come from? 35 oh, points off 8 for 10 from 3. Um, it, it just mental. I think the fact that they were setting multiple screens for him really helped him because he was just coming off and shooting whenever he felt like it. Yeah. He yeah, was, only, didn't really know what to do with it. The only thing I'll say about this game, um, is that I think a lot went right for the Bulls in terms of we had Dunleavy going off. Decisions. Decisions. You had Nene. And I think all of this went right, and they only won by three points. Um, <laughs> if you know what I mean. That's I, what I, happens I, you can't score the ball. I, and that's the problem. I, I think at the end of the day, if they give up 97 again, I can't see them winning. Yeah, I, I said on the show the other day with Tom that you know if the, if the Wizards could get out to a big lead in some of these games, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna give it up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game four, but. I mean, you've got to look at that. You've got to give full credit to this Wizards team because they've not had a great history. In fact, they've had a pretty horrid history. But their starting five right now is a fantastically well-built starting five. John Wall and Bradley Bill have got no fear whatsoever. Trevor Rees has been there before, played in the finals. And Nene has been you know, out for most of the season, has come back for this playoffs. And He's just all over the balls. They they don't seem to know what to do with him. I don't know what it is, whether it's his size, whether it's his physical strength and ability to rebound the ball, but he's still all over them. And I think the fact that he's going to miss game four because he has been suspended could be the real you know Achilles heel for for the Wizards in the end because the Bulls could come back and tie the series because that's what they're like. They're they're a gritty, grindy team, and you know their lack of offense is made up for the fact that they've probably got one of the best defenses in the NBA. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think. Andre Miller needs to play more minutes. He only played 10 minutes in this game the other day, but when he played in the first two games in Chicago, he absolutely torched the Bulls. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But for a first playoff appearance for most of these guys, you know, it's been nothing short of exceptional. John Wall has um, solidified himself as. See, this is why all us Lakers wanted John Wall in the Lakers jersey. And this is why I said it wouldn't happen. Because <laughs> the Wizards will not let go of this guy. He is... Um, he's, I, I said it during the season, I think he's better than Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie? Uh, what, that, that guy who isn't in the playoffs? Exactly. Um, yeah, I do think he's better. And he, he's very good defensively as well. He's pretty underrated there. He's just so quick and he can, he can penetrate at will. He's lightning. Do you see Kirk Heimick trying to catch up with him? <laughs> yeah. He's, um, yeah. So it's like he's in a different postal code. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's crazy. And, and and the thing with the, with the Bulls is, I, I mean, the Wizards, sorry. I don't even think their coach is that great, as bad as it sounds. Um, Randy Whitman does some interesting things. Uh, it's his, know, his first playoff series, isn't it? So. Oh, yeah. The, the Andre Miller situation with him, just, I don't know. Um, look, I think they're both going to grow. And even if they, they don't go deep this year, I think you've got another team there, like the Raptors, who will be continuing to improve. So, I mean, we all laughed at the Eastern Conference all season. <laughs> but you've got some teams coming up. You've got the Raptors. You've got the Wizards. You've got, in a few years, you've got the Sixers. Um, <laughs> you, you've got the Hawks. Uh, I think once they get Horford back, uh, they're continuing. The Hawks have always been hanging around, though. Yeah, but I think I think they're in a stage now where they're going to rebuild and be uh, really go They've for it. They've got playoff peak. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, once you've got him. And he can finally kind of do a lot more on his own, whereas before he had Josh Smith and Joe Johnson. So, I mean, I think that the Eastern Conference, give it 10 years, I think that'll be a... Five to 10 years, I think the Eastern Conference will be really, really... Really good again. Yeah, and th- this series has been a real big battle in the paint as well. You look at the likes of Joachim Noah, Carlos Buza, and then you've got Marcingle Tut, and then they battling it out. And it's just been real grit and grind basketball for for most of the games. And they've been close, they've been back and forth. And the fact that you know there is a scoring edge for the Wizards makes it really interesting because it means the Bulls have to sort of lock themselves down and you know do what they do best. So we get to see you know the best defense in basketball play against one of the best offenses. So it- it's really great to see. And you've got a Look at other teams, you know, especially the West, you sort of Houston and Portland, who don't play a lot of defense, and it's a, it's a sort of a, a sort of a stark contrast, really. Yeah, I think the Wizards have just been a really underrated team all season. They haven't really been talked about until now, and I guess that's fair. But for a lot of the season, they were they were a very fun, very fun. Team. Well, Charles Barkley will tell you he he thought they were the third best team in the uh, Eastern Conference if they stay fit and healthy. <laughs> well, Charles Barkley says a lot of things. <laughs> Barbecue chicken. Uh, that's all. That's all we uh, need to say on that. I think we should we should move before we before we say something. We regret. Do you want to um, talking about a team which like the the, the Wizards that are on the up, and that is the Portland Trailblazers, who um, I mean they they, they were they were leading two 0 after after taking the first two games in Houston. They dropped game three at home. Uh, what do you think about these Rockets, man? That, I mean, Mikhail sh- shook it up a bit. Yeah, he shook it up a bit, and I thought the impact was pretty immediate. Um, they've not been blown out in this series, and that's what everyone seems to be forgetting, is the fact that it's actually been pretty close. They they lost game one because James Harden kind of messed up, and he, he openly admitted that. But game three last night was just a great game, and James Harden had 37 points to lift the Rockets back into the series, and... That's what we've been wanting to see. We've all said he's a superstar. You know, we all said that the Thunder would regret trading him. And that's the sort of playoff game we need. Everyone was bashing on Dwight Howard, which I don't understand because his game. He's been um, fantastic. Yeah. His, his first game was great. His game two was phenomenal. Like, especially in the first quarter of game two, he was just all over the place. But to go into Portland, which is difficult to do, I mean, the Moda Center or, or the Rose Garden, sorry, as I actually will call it from now on. I don't like that stupid new name. Yeah, I was um, about to say that. <laughs> you know, that's a difficult place to go and play your basketball. They, they love their, their, their Blazers in Portland. So the fact that they come away with a win and the fact that it's Troy Daniels. Yeah, I can hear everyone saying who <laughs> is the yeah. guy who hits the game winning three with 11 seconds left on the clock in overtime, you know, the guy was going to play in Australia at the start of the season because he wasn't getting enough minutes in the D-League team for the Rockets. So, 
it, it's just a, a great playoff story. And the fact that the Rockets came out and kind of shut everybody up with this appearance. I mean, me and you have got them going, you know, at least to the conference finals, I think, both of us. And th- this performance showed us why that me and you had such faith in them because they are capable of doing this. They can, they can light it up from downtown and they can dominate in the paint and they can defend when they want to defend. And, and we saw that. We saw great, you know, Howard played, uh, 45 minutes, I think it was, and then it, and finished the game 24 and 14, which is not massive from him, but, that's a that's a big performance on the road, and then someone like Patrick Beverly coming in and just getting you 16 points for some for a guy who a lot of people don't think could shoot the ball very well, you know that, that's great. And I think that despite everything, the, the Blazers hung in it, but it's a massive, massive win for the Rockets. I mean, I don't think they'd have come back from three and zero down. No, no one ever has. So. I mean, I, I think they'll be I think they'll be buoyed from this, and I think James Harden. I mean, he he didn't have a bad game by any means. I mean. I think he'll have better games and I think he'll slowly come into the series now. I mean, I know he had 37, but it was, it was off 35 shots. So, I mean, I, I think he'll come back into it and I think we'll get a big James Harden performance in game four. I think the Rockets will take it and from there it's anyone's bet. Yeah. I mean, going back to Houston's going to be what they want and it's going to be great to see if it, if that happens. I think Portland will have no fear. All the pressure is now actually on Portland for game three. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. They were right in this game though. I mean, they came right back at the end. Damian Lillard was just phenomenal. I mean, you put up a tweet that was something along the lines of "Game of Lillard" or whatever. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. That was it. It was nice. I, I did. Cool. I, did I, I, I didn't make that up. Too. You didn't make that up. Oh, oh well. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't breaking the copyright rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I just, I just didn't want to take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite good when I saw it this morning. But you know, you, you, great production again from from the Blazers. That they they were right in this game, and it's just going to be such a tight series. I mean, we were we were treated and probably spoiled by Lamarcus's Aldridge's first, uh, first two games, and we didn't see that from him last night. He finished with twenty three and ten in the end, which is still great. But you know, it's not what we were seeing from him. What do you think about Mikhail's decision not to not to play the likes of Francisco Garcia and Omri Caspery? I mean, instead going with Troy Daniels, who hasn't really played a lot this season. I like it. I think it's brave. It's ballsy, um, and I, and he was justified in it when when, when uh, Daniels made that. The confidence he must shot is mental. Yeah, and he made that huge shot at the end there. So I, I think at the end of the day, Mikhail probably knows better than us. <laughs> Yeah, he, t- he took six three-pointers and made three of them. So, it, you know, 50% it's not too bad, but a-, a massive performance from him. And the fact that I think it was five or six guys on the Houston Rockets team didn't even get on the court kind of shows where Mikhail's put in his trust. He's putting it in James Harden, Patrick Beverly, Dwight Howard, uh, and those guys have got to sort of carry the team. And, it, you know... James Harden can have an off night and Dwight can have a great night, but when they're both playing as well as they played last night, then Houston's got to be the only pick in this series. Yeah. And, um. Because Dwight's just too dominant. I don't think you, when Dwight's doing what he's, he does, you can't stop him. And, uh, but the thing is, on the, on the opposite side of that, they, the Rockets don't have anyone to guard Aldridge, which is the big problem. They, they struggle with Lillard as well, I kind of find. I think Patrick, but that Patrick Beverly, Damien Lillard dogfight has been a big focal point. And if, if Patrick Beverly goes down or goes missing, then, you know, the, the guys guarding Lillard off the bench are not doing a great job. Yeah, you're right. 
And um, Jamie Lynn, nah. catch him. <laughs> Jamie Lynn, yeah, he's a bit of a talent star when it comes to defense. <laughs> um, no, I mean, this is a, this is another interesting series, and I, I don't think there isn't really a series you can look at now and say, besides Heat Bobcats, I think. There's, aside from that series, there isn't one where you, you don't want to watch every game. Yeah, we've had such an unbelievable playoffs and it's, it's quite ironic because like during the regular season, I know you and a few others were saying like, you know, it, we were having a really lackluster regular season. It was kind of boring. We had some standout games between, you know, the Thunder and the Clippers and the Thunder and the Warriors and it, it was good, but this playoffs has just been far beyond what I think anybody could, could have experienced and the fact that Portland went into Houston and took two road games off them. It's kind of shocked everyone. Um, the fact that the Warriors won that first game in Los Angeles kind of shocked everyone as well. And then you've got Memphis just doing what they do, upsetting people. Washington have come out of nowhere. Nobody was kind of looking at them. The fact that the Hawks are taking the Pacers, who are the best team statistically, you know, in the Eastern Conference, to, they've tied that series. That's going to be mental. Toronto and Brooklyn's just been so good. Like as a neutral, you couldn't have asked for a better playoffs, I don't think. Yep, and um, I mean, I think the thing which would make it really good is if the, the Bobcats took Game Three tonight. Yeah, just just win one game, you know, give out Jefferson. That really, that would really top it off. I think. I think it'd be. I think if the Bobcats take a game, it's massive for the franchise as a whole. Really. I think the the fact that they're on national television and they're in the playoffs is big for them. I mean, they've got a great sort of core team there. Kemba Walker's been fantastic this playoffs. Uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is, is, you know, as impressive as ever on the defensive end. And if Al Jefferson was fit, I think Miami would really be struggling this series because they, they had a close game in the last one. And when yeah. Al Jefferson was playing in game one, it was not easy for Miami. I agree, and uh, you just get the sense with Miami though that they just kind of they just go they through just, the series. Yeah, they, they could turn it up if they wanted to. Yeah, they're just chugging along, waiting until that moment where they just have to. Pick it up. Yeah, you literally do that that gladiator moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, as we are talking, the the Dallas uh, Mavericks have a six point lead over the San Antonio Spurs, so we will get back to you on that game, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult trying to cover all the games and, you know, it's a Saturday. So, you know, me and Frankie didn't go out tonight, which is rare considering, like, we're both in our twenties or oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm in my twenties. Sorry. He's not. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll come back to you at some point. Just keep using the hashtag M in the UK guys. The, the interaction over the last couple of days has just been, well, it's been phenomenal really. I think James and, and Bates and Andy and everybody who's been using the Twitter has seen, a noticeable increase in followers. Um, NBA UK retweeted us and, you know, our followers just went up from there. Steve Busfield and some other guys have all followed us. So we've, we've got people from the BBC and the Guardian all following us now. So we're making some form of an impact and everyone's been thanking us for doing these playoff podcasts. So we're just here to thank you for listening really, because there's no point in doing it if you guys don't listen. So, um, Frankie, do you want to tell everybody where they can actually find you if they want to listen to more of your, your football talk? <laughs> Well, if, if you'd like to hear more of my beautiful tones, you can go to, <laughs> can go to hybridclub.com or follow me at Twitter at Frankie underscore Hobbs. But um, for basketball, I've done a few things for for hoop, hoop76.com, but um, I'll probably be slowing up as as the season's now over. But um, no, I'll be here. Um, I'll be on as many podcasts as I can with um, exams and, and that permitting. No, that is cool. We've got enough people to 
filter in and out now, so that's what we do. <laughs> yep. Um, the website is doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. People go check that out. There's been a couple of blog posts and things recently. All of our playoff predictions are on there. So right now, I think a couple of us are looking really, really stupid with the Me way the, yeah, with the way the series are going at the moment, but we have faith in our teams. <laughs> <laughs> Well, more specifically, I have faith in Houston in the fact that they can beat Portland, which is which is really odd because everyone knows I've kind of been on the Blazers bandwagon all year. Like they're my league yeah. team, they're my number one guys to watch, and yeah, I don't know something about Dwight Howard just made me choose them, and you know, I I, I thought he's going to have a a monstrous playoffs, but you know, it could still happen. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, with regards to the Twitter feed, now all the tweets will be marked with initials, so you will see. The initials MW if it was me, um, JL if it's James, MB if it's Matt, AD if it's Andy, and it'll be FH if Frankie ever actually do- comes on the Twitter feed. Don't think you go on there too much, do you? I, I go and look at it now and then. I just, um, I don't want to ruin your, your Twitter feed with my bias. <laughs> so that's the reason we've got the initials, people, is because we don't all have the same opinion. So if, I don't know, James goes and puts... Oh, but don't we, 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 we all agree all the time, don't we? Yeah, according to iTunes, we agree all the time on everything. <laughs> so uh, if James goes and tweets that the Knicks are the greatest basketball team in the history of the face of the earth, you know, we don't all share that opinion. Certainly not Frankie Hobbs, who think it's the uh, 2014 Philadelphia 76ers. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you can find us on iTunes, folks. We are available for direct download as well. Check out Facebook, facebook.com slash double clutch podcast. And the Twitter is at double clutch UK. I have been Matt Smashed. He has been Frankie Hobbs. And, uh, we'll be back at some point during the week covering the game fours and these last two game threes as well. Bye bye. 6 9 Batum harassing Harden. Lost the ball. Williams lost it. Lynn picks it up. Lynn out to Daniels, Daniels for three, it's good! The rookie knocks down the three with 11 seconds remaining. He saved our season, you know, we look at this as a big time shot, um, you know, he's ready to play. As soon as he, as soon as he came in and, and started practice, he was ready, you know, he's always ready, he's always working hard, so um, this shot was him, just another, another uh, helping in his, in his uh, mojo.